Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Welcome back to Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and as you can see, we got a stacked crew today. We have Janelle Wheeler back with us. Hey, everybody. Happy to be here. Matthew Aguilar is, of course, here. Yeah. And we've got back producer Jim Viscardi back on here. What's up? And... Connor Casey, our wrestling expert and expert in a lot of other things, is also back. Welcome back. It's your boy. What's going on, guys? <laughs> so we are back today and we got a lot to unpack. Uh, we got some big things happening because the movie industry is starting to get back. So we're going to be talking about that. We got some big new Marvel promos and shows material to kind of go over we got our usual com- comics rundown ready to go and you know connor's here so we got to talk some wrestling too and we're gonna talk about what's going in the world on in the world of wrestling over in aew so let's get right to it we brought back jim viscardi today because i'm so for, for one segment. reason and <laughs> one reason only jim you are here we finally got a trailer for marvel's eternals <laughs> Something that anybody who's been listening to this podcast... We got a teaser. Let's correct okay, that. We got fine. a teaser. Teasers yeah. are different than trailers. It didn't even get through the intro. Can yeah, we just our, our, <laughs> our URL on comicbook.com says something a little different, but that's okay. We'll, we'll just go with teaser. James so we got our first It was over two minutes. It might as well yeah. have been a trailer. Yeah. But it was so, a teaser. Well, well, wait a minute. You just deflated your own argument. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no. I said it may well. Jim's, Jim's already on one. They have different purposes. Okay, but we we have this new look, first look at Eternals, and uh, Jim is basically here to defend himself and his love of this movie. So, Jim, tell the people why you are loving what you've seen so far from Eternals. Go for it. I there are a lot of people getting real bent out of shape for I I don't know I don't know why. It's one of those things where the 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 biggest complaint that I have seen is that obviously. When you go back to the source material for what the Eternals is and you look at uh, all of the Jack Kirby stuff that, that has come from this, everyone is like, well, why doesn't it look like that? And like, OK, there are there's plenty of other work that Jack Kirby has worked on that the MC, you know, all the MCU movies don't look like. So so I, I don't understand. I get you know, so, so I don't really understand that 
aspect of it. Um, the the other the other complaint, which which is is fun to chuckle about, but also too like yeah, I guess we gotta see what it sets up is. You know, in the trailer, they there's the line that go, you know, where it's like, you know, we've been in the background for centuries and whatever, and we have, you know, we only come out until now, and everyone's like, well, where the hell were the Eternals during uh, the whole Infinity War and Endgame yeah, thing? Much. And like, yes, very big thing that happened uh, to to the universe, but if anyone knows the Marvel universe, there are things bigger than that that are probably bigger problems uh than than what could have happened uh you know like the things they haven't shown yet the giant celestials and and what they uh will bring to to the mcu what people don't realize is that like the celestials aren't they get romanticized a lot, right? In in part of the creation of the Marvel universe, or you know the the aspects of creation of the Marvel universe, uh, and, and and things of that nature. But like there, there's literally one. There's one guy called Asherum the Judger, and like they they come to Earth, you know, they come to different planets, and they judge whether or not they're the experiment that they think they have done there is uh, is good or not. And what I would imagine is is that the Eternals probably. Uh, and this is all speculation at this point that uh, have spent so much time cultivating uh, earth and culture and all that jazz that if the celestials are coming and want to, uh, uh, you know, decide that this is a failed experiment, that maybe the Eternals uh, come to come to save Earth on uh, uh, on that front. And they're the only people who can do it. And I'm sure there's other things that will happen with the the deviants and, and all that jazz. But like, look, fate. For a teaser, it does everything that I think it needs to do to just be like, hey, reminder, there's a new MCU project coming. You'll learn more. But anyway. Well, someone brought this up in the comments. We have to see like a tease of the Unimind in this uh, trailer, in in this trailer, which again, like for for diehard fans. You say that like it's a thing. Like it's not (laughs) people making sillier poses than a Harry Potter movie. Like now it was in the the air. Like, come on. I think it's uh, I think it's Azure Hacks said in the in the comments that, you know, there was a recent run and and also in times past where like Marvel's good at this. Right. You can put them off the board. I I don't have my issues with it. Aren't that that one? I don't (laughs) my issue is very much that. And I want to get into this. I think this movie has already just like Captain Marvel just screwed itself already from the premise and people's reaction is already showing that when we talked about Captain Marvel, one of the things I was very critical of was not the movie itself, but the premise of the of the story they came up with, mm-hmm. which introduced us to a hero we were supposed to fall in love with and bond with, you know, her personality and uniqueness while she's running around acting brainwashed and can't access her own personality. And it was like this, this just catch 22 that really I thought held that movie down and kind of screwed Brie Larson in a lot of ways. I feel like this has already done it because it's just like, I feel like no matter what kind of grandiose thing they put into this, so people are going to be like, so you're telling me an all powerful being from the cosmos with like godlike power comes to Earth and could really mess stuff up. And now's when the Eternals decide to get off the bench like that hasn't happened before. Like there's going to be no way to avoid this and be like, but that happens all the time in comics. Like literally yeah, happens like right. every damn week. It feels like like someone comes <laughs> from the, like, oh, I've been around the whole time. And I'm like, and it's not I don't care. Like, that's fine. Give me as long as you can give me a semi compelling reason. 
okay, whatever. I mean, th- at that point, it's kind of like disbelief comes in. Like, like I don't have an issue with that. I because think inherently Matthew, they're going to have to keep doing Matthew, prequels. Come, don't no, lie. You're going to have to keep doing don't prequels. Lie to so people. I mean, the don't, on, don't pretend the ongoing hold up, hold up. narrative. The don't ongoing narrative of the MCU is is this movie's potential biggest uh, weakness. In mm-hmm. in that we as MCU fans have become so hyper um, in tune to the ongoing timeline of the MCU that any time a potential project or something comes up that may challenge that we we all break down and we don't understand where does this fit how does it fit right and that's it's the it's the problem with with sprawling continuity uh, in in ways that. Um, yeah, that even Guardians didn't have to face when that came out because the the MCU, while even this was a different corner of the MCU, was still not, uh, you know, the, the MCU wasn't as big already, at, at this it, point. Yeah, it wasn't already and, laid out as much. Right. Wait, and so, I, I just want to go back to something. Okay, so what did Kofi want to come at me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I just want to say, like, come on. Like, I hear what Matt, I hear what you're saying, but like, let, let's not pretend that like this this premise for Eternals like sells big on the comic book page either because it doesn't. I'm not I mean, talking Eter- about that. Eternals All I'm doesn't. talking about is the, the core issue we were discussing, which is the fact that like entering prequels into an already sprawling thing. I don't have an issue with that as a fundamental thing. Like if we want to set something, just make it work somehow in the timeline and give me a, a compelling enough thing to like be able to gloss over and I'm good, right? I'm the same person that's like, just imagine that Venom kind of happened in the MCU and we all just kind of left it alone and I'm cool with <laughs> just sandwiching it in. I don't need this whole movie to explain why, right? That's me. I've, we've talked about that in the past. As a, as a trailer though, and Eternals as a compelling movie in itself, I'm not on board yet. So I'm not like against you in that in that respect i'm not on there i'm just saying that part doesn't bother me Um, i think i mean as a narrative thing it doesn't bother me i think what people are going to have problems with are seeing these scenes of the eternals being these awesome compassionate you know godlike beings throughout human history and still having to get around this thing of like what were you doing when one of in you know when we find out if Thanos is, if they keep that same connection and I don't, I don't know how much I want to spoil for people who haven't read the comics, but if they want to keep that whole connection up, like that's going to really be a hard thing for people to kind of wrestle with and, and be yeah. like, how are but you not are, like, but, how are you not like involved whole, in all this? Well, I think, I think part of, I think part of the issue too was not really establishing the, who do they punch, right? Like who, like what is the threat for the Eternals here? Even in, um, you know, outside of just saying like, oh, well, there's a, a pretty big threat. And so that's why we're here. Like it, it does nothing to establish that the Eternals and like the, there's the whole deviant aspect of this that is still uh, you get maybe I think you get one glimpse of one uh, in, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of this thing. But there, there's also that too, right? Like the Eternals as characters in the Marvel comics go away for a while. Like they, like they die or they go into the, you know, they don't, die they go in their weird little stasis yeah, things like they, they like they you know if if or when they get killed they their body has to like basically be rebuilt and regenerated with their memories put back they also get put on time out sometimes yeah, and they get put <laughs> and they get put on time out a lot i mean that's um, kind of what happens <laughs> <laughs> and so and so so there there's there's a lot of that and so i think 
the Eternals as a concept is such a uh, a crazy one that that I, I'm I'm trying to see. Like I'm excited to see how you know Feige and and Co are going to you know introduce them and and integrate them into the MCU, but like just because it it wasn't it's not spoon fed to us or, or or explicitly spelled out doesn't necessarily mean like oh well well crap I'm not a, you know it's going to be a shitty movie now here's Sorry. the thing though yeah. Oh, no, go ahead, Jen. Well, I was just going to say, I've I've been really looking into this. I don't know a whole bunch about the background of the comic books, but I was really impressed by the trailer myself, or sorry, teaser. Why? Um, I got a feel for a couple of the characters that I was interested in, uh, having no knowledge of them previously. So I kind of got a little bit of an idea of who they are and what they represent. I got to see some beautiful visuals and I understand um, what it could possibly be about. And it kind of filled all those all of those spots for me. Um, but I, this is in the chat and I also saw this in another, you know, review, someone reacted online, um, doesn't Sprite erase their minds. And that's why they don't remember that they're eternal says John speaks in the chat. And I feel like that's going to be, I feel like everyone's kind of in agreement. It's like, they're gonna, they're gonna make this work. They're going to figure out how to make this happen. We have several people in the chat saying this. Um, I I don't think that's good enough for me. I, I think they don't realize that this is the same stupid trap that captain Marvel fell into. Yeah. Like yeah. as a narrative device, this is so stupid. So then yeah. now we have to spend time with these people who don't know they're special and have to get their memories back, which means we have to spend screen time with them not even being like Eternals most of the time. Like it, it, it's just there. There's a lot that I'm still concerned about with this movie. I'm not writing it off. Um, it, there could be some awesome action sequences and stuff, but I, I just don't. I don't think the CGI of people waving their hands in the air and making this like complex math stuff in the air is going to be a compelling <laughs> movie. Even if they do it all together in the uni mind, like I don't, I don't feel like what this is going to really kind of bring to the table. I know we're going to talk about how glorious the sunsets look and all that. It like, is pretty I'm sure. It yeah. is a gorgeous trailer. And I, uh, but I will I, say not, to Kofi and just point, um, to Lua Costa and everybody else, I'm not angry. I, I'm concerned about this. Like, right. I think there is a really good movie you can talk about how these obviously diverse cast of people helped create the different human cultures of the world. It could be really interesting. I love historical stuff like that. I just don't know if if this is selling people quite yet to to really kind of make the jump or making us at all interested in who these people are as a collective or who they even are individually. So yeah. I don't think we're there. I don't think we need, I don't think we need that yet. I think, I think time has hurt. This uh, has potentially hurt some of the first initial reactions to this movie, just because we were supposed to get this a year ago. And so everyone is kind of chomping at the bit for, for more of this, but like, had this had come out during the normal regular cycle of things, there would have been so much other stuff to kind of distract us from, you know, uh, the fact that like, okay, well, this is a teaser. We're going to get more in a couple of months and we're going to get more in, a, in the upcoming months. And I think that's what, uh, you know, we just need to, to I disagree be with a you, little Jim. patient on. I disagree with you, Jim. I actually feel like I am having a better reaction to this because teaser because of some time, because it wasn't just in the machine. I, I would not have cared two bits about this about this trailer or this movie in general if it had just been in the machine because there are so many other things i'm looking forward to way more and so you can just pass it over actually i i can't remember when but i me and kobe were talking about that not too long ago uh, about like how i feel 
the extra time has helped build some anticipation that Eternals was lacking. Um, I think this teaser does sell what people thought this director would bring to this project. I, I mean, I thought like if you were looking for, you know, what that union was going to be like this trailer would be it. It's stunning. And there, and there's a lot of really interesting character concepts, but as a whole, I'm kind of more on Kofi's side. I, it hasn't done that thing to hook me. Uh, I feel like a teaser is also supposed to do that, right? It's supposed to hook you. It, it did give me an idea for the world, which is also what a teaser is supposed to do. So I'm kind of split. I'm kind of down the middle on it. That's fair. Connor, I you still have something? Think, I, I think it's like Connor. It? We haven't let Connor weigh in here. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, no. It's so the, the thing about Marvel is that once a phase, it takes a massive swing into the weirder side of comics. Phase one, it was Thor. Phase two, it was Guardians. Phase three, basically all everything with Thanos. Uh, this is their big swing for this phase. And it, it looks pretty, but this is a big cast with a lot of people that a lot of people do not know about. So it's got a lot of heavy lifting to do. I don't think this trailer did anything to help with that other than, hey, we know two of the guys from Game of Thrones are in it. So, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> really? Wow. I, I guess my mind goes to Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek, but okay. Sure. <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's 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 the headline right there. Jim, you were gonna say something, let's close it out because I yeah, think I just say look, it's it's a teaser. Uh we were fortunate to get two minutes worth of a teaser, so let's you know, let's not uh jump to too many conclusions and just yeah, be, be I mean, a little bit more patient. Even I will like say the this. Marvel this had Angelina Jolie throwing down some serious sword skills, crouching tiger style. I, I, mean, I will say this. I'm still, I'm still uh, not totally sold on the costumes. Um, so I'm hoping ooh. they may be, they may look a little better in, in action. Um, but that's, uh, if I had to complain about something, it would be that. All right. Well, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, maybe we got we Jim get, to say a negative. Listen, once they show me like, you know, Athena or uh, yeah, Angelina Julie's character going through like a sequence of battles throughout history, like, you know, wreck and stuff. Maybe I'm going to I'll be sold on things like that. And like that has a lot of things you can do. Yeah, we know the trailer's going to get views. We know. We know it was a good get track you, choice, by the way, though. because it is. It was, it was a great track choice. Yeah, yeah. great track yeah. choice. You know, beautiful sunsets. Like there's a lot. I, I just don't think the marvel of it all was really there. Um, but that's just me. Obviously, people in the crowd have uh, different perspectives. Uh, all right, we can move on now. So, <laughs> good job, guys. Oh man, oh, no man. real big disagreements. But I'm Team Jim on this one. Sorry. <laughs> right, Jim. I mean, everybody picks the ship they want to go down on. Like you, you get to pick all that. It's it's America. Uh, enjoy. So we were going to talk a little bit about uh, some trailers that came out. We saw this uh, Tomorrow War trailer, uh, Rick and Morty season five trailer. Uh, I think I'll just say like go check those out on uh, comicbook.com movie and comicbook.com TV. Um, Tomorrow War looks a little, uh, little questionably interesting, but uh, Rick and Morty season five looks like it's going to be lit. Uh, Jim had put in that we wanted to talk about some other stuff today. Jim, what did you want to talk about here that you just threw oh. in here at the last minute? Let's see. Well, I mean, I, I, there, well, there's two things. I think the, it'd be remiss to, to not talk about the Amazon and MGM uh, thing because I think people don't really realize like the list of franchises that MGM 
uh, you know, so what's the thing? Has. So people, okay. So yeah. Amazon, so Amazon bought MGM for like eight point something billion dollars. Uh, and like that's, that's a big deal mainly because it's three Amazon, more billion more than they're worth. Yeah, I mean, Bezos got to hide that that uh, split money somewhere, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's but 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 it's interesting because Amazon as a platform does. Yes, they have. You know, they're starting to build some of their own uh, own originals and uh, and and think you know things like that. But they don't have you know kind of the the franchises to fall back on that some of these other studios do. And so a purchase of MGM immediately gives them, you know, access to, to a ton of stuff. They get, they get James Bond they don't get to make any decisions about James Bond because yeah, the broccoli we'll still own that. But uh, I mean, look, they get Rambo, they get RoboCop, they get Handmaid's Tale, Fargo, uh, they get Shark Tank, uh, you know, like like they, it's a wide array of stuff that if Amazon can get their you know UI figured out on Amazon Prime Video, which probably has the worst user experience, uh, it would be it would it's <laughs> competing for top tier uh, streamer service status. I think it is kind of bad. Oh, it's awful. Their, their UI is kind of bad. Here's the here's the problem though with because I love it. Uh, snarky comments aside. <laughs> I love uh, the fact that, like, you know, it's it's smart to get Bond, but the only problem is that, like you said, they the family that has all the rights. I mean, they they come into it kind of having to, hey, can we do this? Yeah, and, the broccoli, and they have to the kind of ask, get final say, right? Anything Bond, related. and they have also kind of been in front of, Hey, you know, they, they've kind of been very much for the theatrical experience, which is great for people who are proponents of the theatrical experience. But, you know, Amazon does, as you mentioned, have a streaming platform and obviously would love to, even if it's not the full main movie franchise would love to do some sort of spinoff series. I'm sure with, you know, whoever the characters they want to introduce. Right. And they have not been proponents of that. They've kind of been like, eh, you know, holding the line for that. So like, that's I would imagine that that was part of the negotiations, right? Like if Amazon, sure, I, I imagine that that was a thing of like, hey, we will because the place the the company was valued at four to five million by everybody else. And then yeah. it was like, no, we're asking for nine. And the fact that they got like eight point twenty five was like step down, right? That They actually came down on the price. So like but it's all because of bond and it's just, unless there's some kind of deal in there where they like, Hey, we get some say, or like, Hey, there's some streaming stuff built I mean, in. I don't understand why you do it because most yeah. of that stuff's been licensed elsewhere. Sure. Ever. I don't think it, I don't think, I don't think the entirety of this deal lays mostly at the feet of bond. I mean, it definitely is a, <laughs> is, is a big, is a big part of that. But again, like, look, like I said, Handmaid, like Handmaid's Tale is a huge, is a huge Absolutely. hit, right? right? And so the, I think the question, the, the biggest question is going to be, how is Amazon going to let MGM operate? Is MGM going to keep doing what they're doing and selling, selling shows and movies and whatever elsewhere? And Amazon gets the, 
write a first refusal or whatnot. But like, does this mean, you know, James Bond decide like if Amazon wants to redo RoboCop that we're not going to get RoboCop in theaters because it's owned by Amazon now? Like, is that just going uh, to go straight? I to don't, dude, uh, you're getting real excited about this small matter. Um, <laughs> I think about I that, mean, though. Well, it's it's $8.4 okay, well, billion. Dollars. Let me settle your thing. It's clear what Amazon has been building. Amazon has quietly become a streaming powerhouse, UI or yeah. no UI, because of you know the franchises that they've been building out. They are yeah. built, they've bought things that are good, strong kind of franchise names, like you said, like Robocop. They're building something to go along with Lord of the Rings and all that stuff. They're they're putting all this money into. And if you think Amazon just means at home, like you really didn't pay attention during the pandemic last year, when you know that this whole paradigm is likely going to shift to where these big streamers and studios begin to finance and own these theaters if yeah. theaters don't really bounce back. So Amazon will have its own chain of Amazon theaters, and now they're just comp- compiling a library so that they can run stuff. So you can have RoboCop in Amazon theaters only and you know Lord of the Rings showing right. even their like TV series have premieres in Amazon theaters only well and right and, get, and I don't those disagree those right like you know that there's pushback to that idea of yeah, course I mean people but you've, don't but want studios with, owning theaters no but you've I mean, seen that was a problem we got over right? a long time ago and now we're that's why there was a law in place wasn't there yeah, I mean there was exactly yeah but like I mean you know Amazon Amazon bought Whole Foods and now Whole Foods is basically the Amazon grocery store uh you know they're they've opened bookstores you know kind of a, across the country kind of thing and so like you and Kofi you're exactly right like if Amazon wanted to start opening up some movie theaters for people to go see their stuff they absolutely could um oh, so but but again like that it, it that stuff is still it all moves very fast. And so it'll be very, it'll just be very interesting to see what the next moves are here, knowing that they get all of that stuff. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, that's what they're going to do. I mean, Amazon's just buying up life. They're going to be your one stop <laughs> shop for life. Like, they want all of your life literally to put money in their pockets. And so you think that's a joke, but I'm not. I'm not kidding. I, I, look, I if this means, uh, look, if this means that Amazon is able to put back the RoboCop uh, TV series from uh, uh, the, the early 90s back on a streaming platform somewhere, I'm game. I love that show. Me too. Oh boy. All right. We're going to take a break and clear our heads. Uh, if you want to know, Zack Snyder's been saying some stuff about what could have been in his DC films and beyond. Go check that out. Did he ever stop? Play. No, No. now we but i want to know more about these robot zombies somebody's got to explain that to me so yeah we're going to talk about some army of the dead i guess we're going to throw that in there too but uh we're gonna take a break first before rich has a conniption and we'll come back and talk to you about (laughs) why a place to modok we're gonna throw in some army of the dead i think some comics and some wrestling so be sure to tune into all of that Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. 
For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I was prepared this time. I was not scared. Hey. <laughs> Our music did not freak me out. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Nice. All right. So we're back. And what we're going to talk about real quick is uh, I'm going to give you guys. The, am I the only one who saw a Quiet Place Part 2 this week? Anybody else? Raise your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? No. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll give you a quick rundown of that. On Monday. Oh, that's right. You were, you were down and out. Um, yeah. So we had a screening of a Quiet Place Part 2 uh, held here in Nashville. We got to go back to theaters. Um, I got to see it. I'm going to give you a spoiler free review. Of the film, I will say a spoil. Um, I very much enjoyed *A Quiet Place* Part Two. It very much is a part two, more so than more horror films. In that, I mean, this literally just picks up in it from the end of Part One, and this is Part Two. Uh, and so, this is the next leg of the journey. And director John Krasinski does some very interesting things with the characters and kind of creating, uh, you know, A, B, and C storylines for this set of characters and, and kind of where they literally go from, <laughs> from the events of the first film. It is, it is not a relaxing ride. It is a tense ride all the way through um, from start to finish, just on the cusp of being uncomfortably. So because you are just so tense the entire time, but, but in the, in the way that it delivers and what a good thriller horror movie should uh, and, and how it should. There's a little bit more of a Rube Goldberg machine to uh, this, like a Final Destination film, in the sense that there are. In a, it's very Hitchcockian in the sense that, like, you see, it's very clear what's going to kind of set up and be the the things that are, you know, foreshadowed to be problems or or moments of real dread or, or distress. You kind of get those advertised before, and then steps kind of fall into place to make these things kind of unfold, and you're like. You're going to say in this movie, like, oh, man, if this happens, like, I'm going to be really freaking out. And then that thing happens and you're like, oh, man, like, this is like the scary thing. I didn't, you know, I was freaked out about. I thought they were going to go this way. Um, it, and so it is kind of some people will say predictable in that way. But I think it's in, I mean, it's very, like I said, Hitchcock and Hitchcock showed you what was going to happen and then took you through the experience and made you really feel it. And this does that very much so. Um, a lot of the younger actors now get to step up and, and do a lot more in this one. And they do a good job. Killian Murphy is a really good addition to the cast. And by the time it ends, you're ready for part three, which a lot of people have echoed. Like you're, you're ready again for part three to just pick up and, you know, keep going with this storyline in, in real time. And so it's a success. Uh, I think I might write part two a little bit more that higher than part one, because I don't think it has spent so much time doing um, the world establishing in, in this. And there are ways in which communication is a lot more effective in this than the long, quiet spans of the first one. And so that makes it a little bit more engaging because there's more character interaction, you know, verbalized, whether it's through sign language or circumstances that allow people to talk more, uh, things like that. And so it's good. And uh, it was a welcome return to the movies and it felt like picking up, 
you know, psychologically like picking up because this was the movie that was going to come out right before everything fell apart last year. Uh, and, and it was good to kind of have the reconciliation of going in, seeing it and really enjoying it. John Krasinski is really great. Um, and like I said, the cast and everybody's really great. So be sure to check that out. If you guys are vaxxed, ready to relax or you're just, you know, you're feeling safe in your local theater. Go check out A Quiet Place Part 2. Well, that is a T-shirt. What's up? Action, ready to relax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, oh boy. Like, yeah, this summer's gonna this summer's gonna get crazy with that. So uh everybody uh take it easy. Take it easy. I know I need to, right? I'm doing the wrong thing right now. Um, let's talk about uh Army of the Dead real quick. Let's just go around real quick. What'd you guys think? I'm just gonna say I'm the biggest Snyder bro here, but uh I didn't love <laughs> Army of the Dead. It was not my favorite. I thought it was enjoyable. I get it. I, I felt like it was the Iron Man two of zombie movies in the sense that it was like set up this whole world and franchise. Like I got it. Like there's a whole world out here. But as and a self contained, we're going to come back and love it in ten years. Yeah, and like, <laughs> wait, I see what you did there. No, um, no, and, and, but it, it was too much. It was too spread <sighs> all over the place. I thought the opening sequence was the movie I wanted to see which was just Batista, you know, rounding up this ragtag surrogate family of survivors and making it out of Las Vegas was the thing that I wanted to see. But uh, yeah, there, it just felt like there was just too much of a mess to take Nataro stuff. I love her, but that was just, it made that film so much like uglier and choppier, just trying to get her to replace Crystal Isla and, and do it and all that inserted footage and all that. The end sequence is a mess. Me and Charlie were going off about that, about all the cuts they couldn't show and how incomplete it feels. So, and there's robot zombies that are not explained. Like, I don't know. So this wasn't my favorite Zack Snyder movie at all. I, people were saying this is better than Dawn of the Dead. I think you're nuts. I think you're, oh, you're yeah, out to lunch. Sure. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead is much better, but um, I mean, it was enjoyable for like a forgettable Netflix. It wasn't forgettable, but it, it was, I think if we see more of the universe and stuff, I might come back one day and appreciate this, but this feels like a midsection rather than a standalone introductory film to this franchise. I'm very me. curious what Janelle thinks. Uh, thanks. Gosh. Um, <laughs> I love zombies and walkers. So uh, this perspective was really interesting to me. Um, I love seeing zombified animals. That always makes me really excited. Um, <laughs> but I will say, I will say it felt really long. You keep this stuff in notes for your th- like a therapist. Yeah, right? that was like, a, yeah, I love that there. I, I really like zombified animals. I know, do. I, let's get really scientific here. No, I really do. <laughs> I, I enjoyed like I have a respect for like costuming. Greg Nicotero is someone that I just absolutely adore. I love the way he articulates zombies. I'm very critical of zombies because of my love for his work. I think they did a, a fairly cool job of a a different perspective, a different idea of what walkers and zombies It's so hard for me not to call zombies walkers um, are, but it felt really, really long. I was kind of, I had a lot of moments of like pee break and didn't pause it, you know, just kind of like came back. Um, But overall, like an enjoyable experience, you know, to watch at home, to relax. I, I honestly, I paused like the last 15 minutes and I had to watch it, finish it another day. I wasn't like, Oh my God, no, I don't care. Drop all plans. I got to finish watching this. That I'm so close lot. to the end. So I feel like that. Yeah. That sums it up pretty well for that me. Was like watching, that was like watching the Snyder cut, which yeah. again is a thing. I loved like, the Snyder. I enjoyed yeah, Snyder the cut was way better than this. Stop that. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Like you could have gone that. up and go to the, you could have gone up to go to the bathroom seven or eight times throughout that thing and not miss a thing. 
Well, you would have missed some slow-mo. Yes. <laughs> See? There, there's my point. I really okay. like the, the slow-mo, so I'm with you. Cookie, oh, yeah. no, Snyder Cut was a superior film. For I'm, me. Not, I'm not I, getting I into the this. Snyder. <laughs> the Snyder Cut. Uh, Army of the Dead is um, it was a, a perfect film made for Netflix that we will everyone will watch for the next couple of weeks, enjoy it, and then uh, move on. And that, that, that's it. <laughs> Danny the Pug yeah. just threw fire at Jim. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Taking down the blacklist, but you're that not was wrong. targeted. Wow. That was targeted. <laughs> All right. Wow. I mean, I'm interested, but I am interested in more of this world. I will say that I'm interested in like seeing more about like what happened with these zombies, or and like this anime prequel that they're doing. You know, like I, I want to see that stuff. It, it, I think, ironically, that this was like the setup was more was more interesting than the actual film we got. So. I don't know. That was Army of the Dead. I didn't plan on talking about that, but I thought we should since we. Uh, Batista, Batista was great in it too. I thought. Oh yeah, Batista's great. Like a lot of the characters were great. Batista was great. Um, the Latina, his best friend, the love interest lady was great. Uh, the Coyote was great. Um, uh, yeah, I saw I saw a great joke on Twitter somewhere that was basically uh, so. So for wrestling fans, as apropos for uh, Connor and, and Matt here, but his uh, his theme song in WWE is he walks alone in a pit of danger, basically, and that was the that was basically uh, what That's Army the of the Dead was. Yeah, that was the movie. The movie no, was yeah. was Batista's. He walks WWE for miles inside this pit of danger. Nah, 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 yeah. nah, nah, nah. And it was way yeah. better than the zombies at WrestleMania Backlash. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a given. All right. God sake. Um, real quick. Let me on we here on, to talk about that. <laughs> before we move on to comics real quick, what did it, has anybody been started to watch MODOK? I'm uh, two, three episodes in. Uh, and I think I think it's all right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I appreciate MODOK for what it is. It's not going to ever be like top of my viewing list. But when I put it on, I'm, I'm going to put on like two or three episodes at a time and kind of like binge them. And uh, I, I think it's. It's weird for sure. It's really it weird, is. but it, it's not unenjoyable. Like it's actually kind of funny. There is, I think maybe Jim was saying this, that there's just like rapid fire jokes so much that it is kind of overwhelming. You actually do weirdly have to pay attention because there are so many sight gags, just like background things, you know, you know, dialogue gags, all this stuff and some really demented humor about, you know, stuff. So it, it is kind of good. Um, but it is kind of like a weird, you have to pay attention, but ADD dream, like at the same time. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's uh, the, the thing that I, I've keeping going back to is I don't know if they, they know what MODOK as a show was supposed to be right. Like, yes, there's a, a ongoing narrative story in there, but it almost seems like that takes a backseat to all of the other stuff that is happening. And I think all of the other stuff, uh, you know, is, uh, or the story is, you know, the, well, I just had a brain fart. The story is, uh, it's just that like it, it loses to the fact that there's too much other stuff going on that like, it just, it seems a little unfocused where like, you know, I, I, the robot chicken comparisons are very easy to make one because it's in that style and, and whatever, but even like the episode styles are almost like that where, you know, just each segment of the, the show kind of feels like those just breakaways from in, in robot chicken. Uh, you, but again, how far did you get Jim? Uh, I finished it. I've uh, now okay. I finished it. So I'm curious because I agree because I agree. I feel like that's my main issue is that this is never a show I actually actively seek out to watch. It's always one that go, oh, I have nothing else to watch. Let me throw that on. And then facts I, I watch 
and I enjoy it. You enjoy but it. But like, I don't seek it out. Like, it's not one I'm just going to go, yeah, I really, I really want to see this. But yeah. like episode four, I believe, or episode three, um, one of those really focuses on like the core story here seems to be anyway, him kind of re- trying to reconcile with his wife. And that, like, that honestly seems to be the heart of the series because all the stuff that I remember other than just funny gags, like, you know, him cutting his henchman's arms off, which that, that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, like that whole back and forth and the, and the super adaptoid stuff is, is kind of funny, but like the stuff with him and his kids and the stuff with his wife are the things that like, there's an episode where, um, and I'll, I'm going to get into spoilers for this episode. So, I mean, it's early on in the season. Like I said, I've only hit episode four, but like that episode where he ages, where they age and they watch their lives play out and they have to wait for like their current selves to come back in time. So they can like stop the or to, to start to go back in time so they can stop them from going back in time. Right. That was really heartfelt. Like that stuff was really good. And that was, I left that and was going, Oh man, that hooked me for another episode. And then the stuff with his daughter, but yeah, like, but that's also you know, something like, I feel like, like I saw in a Rick and Morty episode. Right? But like yeah. from segment to segment, though, you're right. It becomes more about whatever gag that they're trying to push. And it's that a, stuff pushed to the side. And I'm like, no, that's the good stuff. Like that's yeah. to me, that's it's a Futurama episode that they do that. Right. Oh, yeah. I want the show yeah. to be that. Like I want yeah. the show to just be that. And it and it feels all over the place sometimes. I laugh, but I don't laugh as much as, as nearly as much as I well, thought. That's I it. And there's nothing at the end of the episodes that make you like be like, oh, I have to hit like play next episode, right? Like yeah. the episodes just kind of end and like that, and then it's like, okay, well, maybe I'll watch another one. Yeah, I mean, if Hulu wasn't putting this in my face, I probably wouldn't have remembered it was there. So congratulations to Hulu marketing team. Cause you guys, you guys reminded me that Modoc is a show and I, and I have been watching, like Matt said, it's good folding laundry show. You know what I mean? Um, so that's Modoc. That's Modoc. Uh, let's move on to comics, Matt. What do we got going on? Yes. So let's dip into some, uh, you know what? Let's go into some Marvel. So, okay. Remind me, Kofi. Did, did, did you? I gave options this week. I was like, "Hey, I read all three. Did you read all three? Okay, yeah. I didn't I've, know. There's a I was lot not to read this to... week. I read more, uh, all three, and then some. So I'm actually going to, uh, because you are more the Star Wars uh, person, and you're better with the names because I butchered half these names yeah. and stuff. So I, one of them is is Doctor Afra, uh, number ten, because one, I'm a big fan of the character. Uh, this is actually one of the Star Wars series that I kind of stick with i don't necessarily stick with all of them but this one i keep coming back to and we're about to start a big event uh within kind of the star wars books uh in marvel so this was like a prelude so this feels like a perfect jumping on point i would say for me anyway it's not as smooth a jumping on point for a new reader as i maybe anticipated because like i feel like you still need to know quite a bit about what's happened, what's going on before kind of getting into this next arc. But I still really enjoyed it because I'm a fan of this character. I like the the sarcasm and the exchanges between her and the rest of the cast and that stuff. But like for you, what did you think? I mean, I've kept up with Dr. Afra, and, and I went back and read everything, like all the volumes and previous series that she's been in. And uh, I mean, she's my favorite Star Wars character of the moment. I really love it. I think she's one of the more underutilized characters in the larger sure. franchise. Like she should have been believe that like there has not been a show or, something or an animated. Or yeah. I mean, I look at a bad batch every weekend. Well, I kind of enjoy that. I'm kind of like. <laughs> 
really? We don't have a Dr. Afro show yep. because of this. Um, yeah, she is a great character and one of the smoothest fits to kind of inject into the timeline um, of the rebellion and the empire and all that during, and one of the, yeah, one of the best rise of the empire characters uh, from the time period of solo, the bad batch and all that. And yeah, we're getting this war of the bounty hunters event. That's going to cross over through star Wars books that took place, you know, at this time kind of after empire strikes back and all that stuff. Uh, and this is, I mean, this was an issue. I was surprised you threw it in here because it is kind of a hard jump on. If you want to start this series, this is issue number 10. Start from number one because it just gives you the entire background of what she's been through before this. Uh, I, I suggest you read that stuff because it's really good. But yeah, this one kind of is folding in some of the High Republic stuff with this ancient space drive and Afra having to get it for this kind of wealthy business lady. But uh, it, this issue does give you a kind of quick, snapshot of who she is like you know her ex-lovers hate her but still kind of like her she's like she's great at double crossing people and kind of doing this kind of hilarious comedic indiana jones act while she's screwing people over and getting herself out of getting killed constantly because everybody hates her so much and wants to kill her but she manages to talk her way out of it all the time and and find some leverage so it's a good snapshot droid friends oh well not anymore see that's the thing like they're gone yeah for right now they're gone yeah she she rolls with this uh prototype droids of they're basically evil c3po and r2d2 who were (laughs) developed by the empire as a torture bot that's c3po and the r2d2 is actually has the entire weaponry of a star destroyer packed into a little astromech (laughs) and so he can just like eliminate entire armies of people um yeah she has her own wookie friend black carsantin who's like this crazy strong bounty hunter cyber cybernetically enhanced it's great it's a it's a weird ragtag thing of characters um and and dr afro's great so my recommendation of this book is just go back and read the whole book like the whole series and get caught up with this character because it's it's uh it's pretty great janelle because i know as kofi mentioned it was a i saw prelude and went oh yeah they'll probably like you know do some kind of like entrance stuff to where like people jump on and then when i read it i was like oh god (laughs) so uh what did you think because i know you're not as familiar with the character Yeah, I read this one last out of the three, and I just felt a little overwhelmed by what was going on. Um, But I I truly just think, I think it's probably a very well done comic, and it's probably really, really awesome. I just, of course, don't have that knowledge, that backstory on her. I was intrigued, and I do want to continue on seeing where she goes. And uh, the storyline in general in this universe, and like Star Wars... I'm not like the biggest Star Wars fan, but I am really interested in her. Like I'm intrigued by her. So it to me, I feel like I need to go out and like read some of her other stuff um, to really appreciate her. But it's not a, it's not a terrible read. Like it is good for someone. It, it From my perspective, I, I did enjoy it. I liked reading this. I actually liked all of our comics this week. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's awesome. Which was which is great because there is a yeah. lot of lore here, but I feel like with her, just her, just charm. It's her like spirit. we talked about with yeah. Yara, right? Like that same thing. It it can overcome a lot, and yeah. so sometimes you don't have to worry about that stuff. So we will right. move over to DC with a book that I actually believe we all really dug the premiere issue of Robin. Uh, so Robin number two picks up where that big spoilers for Robin number one and number two incoming. But uh, of course that issue ended with like, you know, Robin's heart <laughs> being pulled, uh, being pulled out. 
and uh, he just got KO'd. So we were all wondering that KO'd, yes. Um, and so this issue picks up pretty much right after. Um, I, I just feel like, you know, I haven't always loved every single thing Joshua Williamson has done at DC, but I just feel like he's found a perfect fit with this character and with this version of Damian Wayne. I love this issue. Again, I, he's having fun with like, we get to see some of the assassins, like the top of the top uh, people that you want to take out on the island. And, you know, there's like, there's some new characters. And then there's also this like very blatant Deadpool-ish <laughs> character uh, that you see. And they even like wink, wink, not, you know, nudge, nudge. Uh, and then of course we're getting more of the Connor Hawk stuff uh, in there. And, and you're getting little teases of that. Like he's still trying to fight programming and things like that. There's all this stuff. And then Damian Wayne just like obliterates like these poor, <laughs> poor villains. You actually feel really bad for these villains who just get eviscerated by him. And it's nice because because of the way this works with you get three deaths essentially on this island. And then after the third death, your soul, you have to give over like they can be a little more violent. You can, you oh, can yeah. dip into that and kill some people and not have to worry about like some of those long re repercussions that Wayne typically has to fit himself into right because he's working by batman and i thought that gives this series room to breathe and really showcase how deadly this dude is yeah. all the time so, that was like know. a meta that splash page was so much fun where he yeah. learns that he can where he learns that he's allowed to basically the rules of the island yeah you get three deaths and you get resurrected each time because it's lazarus island and they even make a great joke about you would think you know that by the name of the place right? <laughs> you know that it would be um but yeah and once he realizes like oh i can cut loose like i don't have to hold back i can go full league of assassins on these fools and then that splash page is great of just damian wayne just murdering people like his competitors and the interpersonal politics of that creates like hey you murdered me in his conversations with flatline this girl that starts <laughs> to like him because she's killed him and is like yeah i killed you once i thought we should hang out like you know all of that is great because it's a perfect environment to kind of capture damien's personality which is this bratty child but still like a psycho killer at the same time like combined into one character so yeah it, it's just a perfect playground for him and the perfect kind of story for him because uh, as you know i'm a big believer that comic storylines should arcs should keep it a, a like good character depth and richness but like a simple baseline to it and this is a simple baseline there's a tournament you get three deaths like here are the rules can't fight at night you know there are these rules uh obviously there's going to be more to it as you know we get to pushing against these rules and like what happens and the consequences but it's simple enough to keep keep things on track and just kind of keep the storyline focus and the character development kind of focus. So uh, yeah, I'm loving this Robin comic. I'm loving all these Batman spinoffs right now. Like the Joker comic is really good. The, you know, this Damian Wayne comic is really good. I like all the, like I like all the Batman books except for the main, except for the main one. Well, even that, Oops. I like the backup story about Ghostmaker. Ghostmaker has yeah. some good yeah. stuff. Ghostmaker, who, who knew? Ghostmaker would be would turn out to be the like best thing to come from Joker War because that was Joker War, right? Or was he the yeah. or was he the designs? He was the he was no he was a follow up. He was in the yeah, that's right. of Joker War. Yeah. Uh, Janelle, did you like this one as much as you like the first? Oh one? God, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I love this one so much. My favorite of the week. Uh, the artwork, fabulous. Yeah. Like such a cool style. Um, love the ladies of this comic book. I know this is Robbins, but I love the chicks, all of them. And uh, yeah, just really good action. Great dialogue. 
not too much dialogue, just a really, really, I mean, Kofi kind of just said it all. It's just really, it's a good comic. I love it. It's a good comic. So I know yeah. I'm now going to launch into the one that I know will make Kofi spike. <laughs> and that is the one I enjoyed. And we will talk about reptile. Reptile number one. I know it's reptile, but it's spelled say, reptile. Why are you, why are you, why are you <laughs> saying reptile? What is wrong with it's you? It's spelled reptile. It's reptile. I, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Just put it, just put the E. Anyway, whatever. It's, fine. it's not Rep- hip. The kids don't love it. Oh, <laughs> it's dinner. I also don't like <laughs> titles with like numbers in them. No okay, just spell it out. Stop it. All right. Anyway. That's an aside. Reptile number one. Uh, I we talked about, and I believe it was King and Black Spider Man was the uh, where we actually saw him team up uh, with Spidey, and there was a whole thing. Kobe yeah. did not like it. <laughs> he did not like that issue. I no. was like, oh man, because I'm not gonna lie, I kind of forget that that character exists half the time because he's been used so. Avengers strongly. Academy is one of the the most underrated I, Avengers books of all time. It, like it without that, we would Whoa. not have gotten Whoa, Arena. We would time. not have gotten Champions. We wouldn't have gotten any of those. Oh going full <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So here's the thing. Put some respect on the Academy is, characters. This book, <laughs> Which is great. Okay, so there's a splash page in this book that I think does such a magnificent job in literally two pages of telling you everything you need to know about this character. Yeah, it touches on Avengers Academy. It touches on like all the things he's gone through, how his powers have messed up since after that, and like what happened. And it's like if there was any perfect scenario for a new reader, I'm like, this is it. This is the perfect way to introduce this character because there are a lot of people. This is a character that is a lot like the ones I like. It's like a D list character though it has tons of potential so this is the perfect way to introduce them i love this issue uh i'm i love dinosaurs everyone knows i love power rangers right mighty morph is one of my i love dinosaurs i love superheroes so mashing them together and then putting a spanish spin on it was like they made a book for me i mean unless it featured the golden girls this was my jam all right yeah this was the most clear evidence of your agenda at work that i've ever seen (laughs) so clear so this is right about it i love it i i one i just love how they make this power set look really fun and cool like this book is fun this is not any like serious, serious stuff. But I do love that they touch on some interesting family issues and things like that. So there is some depth, but I'm saying it's fun. And there's just, they have a blast with the power set. So if you just like action, my only nitpick, and I said this in my full review, which you can read on comicbook.com, is that the villain sucks. Right now, I do not like the villain. I do not like the design. It's just everything else about this book works so well that that just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's kind of like, you know, one of those bad Sentai villains that we see in Power Rangers. And you nah. go, yeah, that one wasn't good. That was not a good one. So that's me. Kofi or Janelle, whoever wants to go first. What did you say? Hey, Will, you go for it. Okay. I'm scrolling through it right now, just taking another look at it. And it's just cute. It just makes you smile. And the fact that he's wearing a Selena y los Dios sweatshirt, it's just so cute and wholesome it just makes my heart happy um you know obviously i i read like certain joker comics make me want to like cry myself to sleep at night (laughs) this is a hey i can read this before bed and still sleep uh and i just thought it was it was wholesome and cute and enjoyable and i actually really liked it which 
Kobe's going to hate. <laughs> I, think, I feel like we just need Kobe's opinion here, but Matt, I, I actually really enjoyed this one. Yeah. Yes. All right, go ahead. Rip it to shreds. I know it's coming. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I mean, this reminded me if like, if you guys, if you, if Huberto, uh, Umberto Ramos got to make like a fully Latin comic book, this would kind of be like what it was like. Yeah. Um, uh, I liked the kind of Latin culture stuff, family stuff, uh, just, you know, reflecting LA, culture and you know all that um i thought that stuff was interesting i also thought it it was a good sell to kind of the repeated point out that like being able to transform into any dinosaur is a little boy's dream i have a son who's like about to turn three and yeah this would be his power set if he could uh i also think it did comic did a good job of kind of pointing out some of the inherently ridiculous things about this character which is that reptile doesn't seem to know very much about dinosaurs um, yeah. which is a weird thing for a kid who doesn't. And as somebody, again, who's had to, you know, play parent to somebody who's really obsessed with dinosaurs right now, dinosaurs have changed so much. Like there's a <laughs> lot more we know, like so much more. And all the old stuff has been like reshuffled and kind of changed. And so like the Brachiosaurus basically, yeah, it's not land before time. Yeah, and that, and that raptors oh, are tiny, were tiny and had feathers and were more bird-like than we thought. And they were a yeah. lot smaller than we thought. Like, and the big ones from like Jurassic Park are actually a different kind of dinosaur that actually had a messed up head. And like, there's a lot of stuff out there that's changed, man. Um, yeah. I hadn't checked in with dinosaurs really heavily until the last year or so, but um, there's a lot you could do. I mean, arguably, I know this sounds lame, but to like actually educate people about all this through this character and kind of what he can transform into and how cool it would be for him to discover and the readers to discover, it'd be actually a good little educational book. So I think they're not utilizing the dinosaur concept well enough. Uh, I think there's, there's more out there to do with that. Uh, somebody needs to sit down and, hit and crack open the books and really, and really get some transformations and, and cool forms down for this kid, because there's a lot you could do here. And like Matt said, uh, they need in a kid who's messing around with prehistoric, like, you know, monsters and dinosaurs and stuff. We need some cooler villains. So lame. <laughs> so lame. So, I was thought, way more positive yeah, than I was expecting. I, I will say overall, I thought it was a standard, really standard kind of introductory issue to this character. Yeah, I can see that. But um, yeah. yeah. My enthusiasm it. carried it another another way. <laughs> that's totally that's totally yeah, that's round the money. So that's comics this week. All right. Well, for our last 10 minutes or so, let's uh, let Connor and Matt take it away. Guys, this is our wrestling segment. What do we have to look forward to on the wrestling side of geekdom this week? Well, Matt, you know what time it is because we've got an AEW pay-per-view this weekend, which means it's time for me to gush about my favorite wrestling promotion. <laughs> Guys, uh, this is not false. If you, if you follow me on here, you know that we don't talk about AEW that much. They only have four pay-per-views a year. And only two of them are really their big ones. Uh, this this Sunday being one of them, double or nothing down in Jacksonville. And because it's progressively gotten worse. Hey, now I those spicy today. Counter you on that because for me, Dynamite has consistently been solid since December. It's had it it's been more interesting here. than NXT, but bar very. There you low. Go. Hey, why do you gotta throw salt on mine? What do I do? Hey, <laughs> on Tuesdays where you belong, Matthew. I didn't do anything. Let's, let's be real here. Not, but it's it's been consistently pretty solid, minus a couple of uh, technical difficulties with a crash pad and an exploding ring. But <laughs> this Sunday, I feel like captures a lot of what they're doing right right now. You've got Kenny Omega as your world champion. He is this. I've said it before. He is kind of the Thanos of pro wrestling right now. He's got three different world titles, and he's got to take on two of AEW's finest. In the main event, you've got Sting 
having his first live action match since 2015 and really just putting over Darby Allen as this, you know, their big Jeff Hardy rising star. Uh, You've got an obscenely stacked mid card and you see that in matches like Hangman Page versus Brian Cage and this big old battle Royal they've got going on. You got John Moxley and Eddie Kingston as the buddy cop duo. I never knew I needed but they're taking on the young bucks who are just a couple of jerks at this point. So yeah, that that dig last week where uh, Eddie Kingston got compared to a box of Newports. And was, he goes, I know. Was he goes, yeah, what of it? <laughs> was, was it just, just them talking and being like, do we have to throw super kicks to be invited to the super kick party? <laughs> and John's like, I don't know. I'll throw them. But no, they are a blast. And uh, this show should be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, Matt. Any any thoughts on this one going in? Uh, I mean, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for Sting. I am a, I am a long time Sting, Sting fan, Sting. and I thought they did an excellent job with the cinematic match last time around. That was excellent. Uh, I am very intrigued to see him in a ring. It's been a minute, uh, and I know reports came out after that cinematic match that that was you know that that also took its toll, right? Um, mm-hmm. So. I will. I'm very curious to see that play out. How they protect him, you know. And I, I mean, again, though, I don't feel like Sting gets in a ring. Unlike some other, <laughs> like people who are kind of have hit that legendary iconic status, I don't think Sting gets in a ring unless he can go, at yeah. least for a little span of time. And they, he knows. He's you a can, professional. You can say right? his he knows name. When you can say it. name. It's fine. No, <laughs> I'm not. But he knows when to cut it. And he knows, like, hey, I can go like this for five minutes, so let's make it a four-and-a-half-minute match, right? I, I feel like for, Sting does that. For a tag team match, that's all you need. You need right. a hot tag, and he hits exactly. two moves, and that's it. And that's all and, he needs to do. And I thought they've done um, – you know, I haven't been a fan of, like, how they've built up all of their kind of in, like, home talent, so to speak. But Darby Allen, I think they've done a great job. I mean, he's fantastic. So um, I have no – no complaints there. Um, I know there was an interesting question you wanted to get to, though, and I definitely we'll, we'll get to that. But I just have to say real, real quick first. Uh, everybody was crapping on how they were handling Miro um, in the last month. They have turned him into a silent psychopath who absolutely brutalizes people. And now he's the TNT champion. And it's glorious. Now, here's the thing on that. Yes, it could be anybody. Well, okay. Well, I like Miro. It's Miro. I mean, I, I do like Miro, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't screw it up for the first well, they did. <laughs> they, they however many did. months. They and wasted then they finally Miro. got the damn memo and went, oh, hey, we should book him as a beast. And they did. And then yeah. lo and behold, and now he's look, awesome. look what happened. He's it's awesome. amazing. You know, but they, but like, but like Miro now could be anyone. Like if they wanted to give Jack Swagger a run at the TNT title, that he could have easily fit in that. <laughs> I'm going to go destroy everyone kind of uh, no, persona. No, like it could, like, no. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Not no. And one Miro Jack Swagger. That's not even his name anymore. And Miro's bringing his own. <laughs> bring, Miro's bringing his own little bit to it, where like his English is still not his first language. But the way he's delivering some of these threats makes his his promos have gotten a lot better, which which I will totally go for. But like I can't imagine we've gone through a whole AEW segment and uh, no one has given me any opportunity to talk about my favorite tag team family, uh, the Gun Club, because (laughs) I thought that they uh, there was a a promo that they put out online that I thought was really fantastic. Was just kind of talking about like you know Billy Gunn and not you know getting to wrestle with his kids and whatever and like. I was really uh, 
uh, cold on the gun club. Cause I thought like, well, I don't, I wasn't, you know, I didn't really care for Austin gun. And then Colton shows up and you're like, whatever, but like they were like as a, as a threesome or whatever, like they have gotten to be very, very, very good. And so I, I need to see more of them. Well then poor Austin got murked by <laughs> AEW's version of one punch man. <laughs> where we've got former Olympic boxer Anthony Agogo just one shots him and he's bleeding out the mouth. Yeah, that's who Cody's facing this Sunday. But Matt, you brought it up. Uh, let, let's get into it. There was a debate that started online among a few pretty prominent wrestlers this past weekend. You had Jim Ross coming on his podcast and saying that Randy Orton is still the best wrestler in the world, which a lot of people disagree with. Including Chris Jericho, who came out and said, no, it, it, it's Kenny. Kenny okay, is Chris running Jericho. the world right now. Uh, but then people immediately came back with, nah, it, you, you must acknowledge the tribal chief and that it's Roman Reigns. <laughs> so, Matt, I will ask you first, who is the best wrestler in the world right now? Well, OK, but that's the thing is, are we talking because that is so that's like. When you talk about MVP, you can take NBA that in season. any direction you want. That's that's the beauty. <sighs> right okay. now, who is Technical the must? Who is the must see re- superstar right Roman now? Roman Reigns. It's Excellent. not even close. But it's not Friday, Matt. It's not Wednesday. even close. The dude posts a promo on Twitter, <laughs> on and he's just working out on the <laughs> damn elliptical, yeah. and it's yeah. and it's more compelling than half of what's on any <laughs> televised wrestling product right now. I'm sorry. The dude has turned the corniest things. I was not on board with the tribal chief. I was not on board with acknowledge me. I was not on board with those. And the dude, along with Paul Heyman, give him credit because he's yep. fantastic. But like, it's a lot made, Paul it, Heyman. made it work. And yeah. like, but like, all well, you can't work. say it's you can't say it's a lot, Paul Heyman, because when Roman gets in the ring, the dude right. delivers. I, I didn't say a he lot. has I'm had match giving, after match. I'm that have, giving have, Heyman though his due. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. No, I was job, more that was more aimed at Connor. Who oh, okay, because I'm like I didn't say a lot more. Um, but like the way he's been, and it, it all helps, right? This is one of those things. Well, perfect storm. How he's been booked. How he's have they made him look like the Goliath he is? All the but all the shit. Oh, sorry. Wow, I finally did it. After how many shows I cuss? I never cuss on this show. He wrestles so dirty. Got me hyped. <laughs> all the things he does though, like when he takes his rolling chair out to the entrance ramp and watches, like he won't sit down unless like Heyman moves stuff out of the chair. Like all those little things, his little like the cocky smile, the way he talks to Danber, all that is just. There's no one that is must see TV right now in wrestling. I That's I, ha- I got to combat you. I, I love what Roman is doing right now. And I'm the guy that has to cover raw every week. And you have no idea how jealous I am of the fun you guys get to have on SmackDown right now. That being said, Kenny Omega is the number one wrestler in the world right now. And here's why. When AEW launched and Kenny announced that he was leaving New Japan Pro Wrestling and finally working for an American promotion, mm-hmm. people thought, hey, they just bagged the biggest free agent they could possibly get. Yep. And then they put Funny the thing happened with that first year of him being around. It didn't quite pan out the way people were hoping. And part of that was due to a labrum injury that he didn't really advertise that much. Part of it was booking and the ideas they had elsewhere with guys like Chris Jericho and Hangman Page. But since December, which, as I mentioned, that's when AEW has been consistently solid. uh, They figured out that if you just let Kenny go 
and let him be the evil anime villain that he was in New Japan that made him so popular, you get an unbelievably entertaining, over-the-top wild man with, much like with Heyman, a mouthpiece who you really just want to punch in the face in Don Callis, but can can sell you any match that Kenny gets involved with. And it's not just on AEW. This guy's popping up in Impact Wrestling, making that show worth watching. Popping up in, in down in AAA, down in Mexico, where I don't speak the language, but darn it, I'm going to watch that Triple Mania pay-per-view with him and Andrade. And you look at what he's got coming up this summer. And I, I tweeted about this. You got Orange Cassidy and Pac this Sunday. The best char- one of the best characters in AEW right now and probably the best worker in those two. You got Moose, you know, kind of impacts unsung crown jewel right now. A guy could that guy goes anywhere else. He's a megastar. Yep. And then you got Andrade in August, which is a dream match that nobody thought we'd ever get. Kenny is must-see, and all of his matches are excellent. That, that's why I got to go with him. Even though I love Roman, Kenny's my guy. Here's, here's, here's where I'll, I'll kind of refute the, the Kenny stuff. I think uh, Kenny is a problem uh, or is a uh, – he is his own worst enemy. I think in that Kenny absolutely has the talent to, uh, you know, and there's no, no denying that. Uh, but I think when you, uh, let him go a bit wild unchecked creatively, uh, that's where it gets, it, it gets a little bit, um, I don't want to say un unbearable, but it's like, uh, it, it, they just like Kenny just seems more unhinged, but in a way that is like almost like, I don't want to say amateurish because Kenny is, is far from uh, an amateur in this business, but they, they just don't carry the same amount of uh, weight that I think is someone like, you know, what, what, what Roman can do. And, you know, Kenny doing the whole belt collector thing is a great gimmick or a great thing. I think Kenny is the wrong person to be doing it. Who would you have doing it? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Um, honestly, like I think, uh, I think that's probably like, I know we're all, uh, we're all rolling our eyes at, you know, at Jericho. And I think Jericho is, you know, his time and, and what he's doing is, you know, maybe up sooner than we think. Uh, but to me, it fits the character more of something that like I could see Jericho doing than anything else or hell, even MJF. Right. I don't, uh, I like, I just don't know that Kenny is um, he's when Roman is on the mic, Roman's not great on the mic. Roman is still way better on the mic thing than Kenny. And I think that's one of the things that, uh, uh, that just puts Roman a a bit, a bit on top. Anything to add, Matt? Um, I I agree. I agree with Jr. Uh, Randy Orton is still the best. Actually, I thought that was going to be our wrap up. Can we all just agree that Randy Orton is not the best wrestler in the world right now? You know what? That's a perfect, I feel like that's a perfect place to leave this. So I will say, yes, I do not think that is the case. Even though Randy Orton is fantastic in the ring, I do not think that is the case at all. There you go. Perfect place to bring it. All right. So there you have it. Randy Orton, not the best debate over the best still continuing <laughs> a W double or nothing going down this weekend on pay-per-view. We'll have all of that covered on comicbook.com wrestling as usual. 
Thank you guys for tuning in. That'll do it for this show. This is Comic Book Nation. We put up uh, new episodes live on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube every Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern. If you missed the live show, you can replay any of the videos on those platforms, Facebook, YouTube, or on Twitch. If you just wanted the audio of the podcast, we are on all your major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any smart home device. You can say play Comic Book Nation podcast and it will fire up the latest episode for you. If you like the show, be sure to follow us at the at Comic Book Nation Twitter handle so you can get updates about the show, funny quips, news, all that stuff that we share through there. Or you can follow each of us. I'm at Kofi Outlaw. (laughs) I'm at Aguilar CB. I am at Janelle Wheeler. At Connor Casey underscore CB. And I'm at Jim Viscardi. If you like the show, go on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. We will be much appreciative of it. Otherwise, we hope to see you guys again next week when we come on as the entertainment industry gets back rolling in full swing. We'll have more and more and more great stuff to talk about. We hit a little of everything on this podcast. If you want some of our specialized stuff, we have the Phase Zero Marvel Focus podcast on Fridays with Brandon Davis. Jim Viscardi also hopes, uh, hopes, hosts uh, a wild Pokemon has appeared, our Pokemon centric podcast on Mondays. So there's a lot to choose from in our specialized areas as well. Otherwise, we thank you guys for tuning in. As always, this has been Comic Book Nation. We are out. Peace. Bye, guys. See you later. later.